Welcome to the Daniel Cleland Podcast. Plant medicine. Plant medicine. Entrepreneurship. Expat living. The Daniel Cleland Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, welcome to the show today. I have a good friend of mine, Kyle Kingsbury. Wikipedia will tell you that Kyle Kingsbury is a retired American professional MMA fighter, formerly competed for King of the Cage and was cast member of Spike TV's The Ultimate Fighter, which was a dope show back in the day. However, the Kyle Kingsbury of today is a much more multidimensional human. Many of you probably know him for his work with Onnit, his hosting of the Human Optimization Hour, and now the Kyle Kingsbury podcast, his work with Fit for Service, with the Aubrey Marcus Mastermind and Fellowship, and uh, his deep exploration into the worlds of psychedelics and open relationships. A friend, a family man, generally all-around good guy, Mr. Kyle Kingsbury. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having me, brother. So what's new? What's going on? You, uh, you were telling me a couple of things about uh, the last couple of days there in Texas. What's cracking? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot that's new. I mean, on the psychedelic front and on the world stage as well. Um, I'm, it's, it's just a weird thing. It depends which reality tunnel you're in. You know, I've got friends <laughs> and family back home in California and, you know, they're just waiting for the vaccine to come through and everything's going to go back to normal. And, and uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm picking up. You know, I'm, uh, you know, we've had Mickey Willis on the podcast, Del Bigtree, quite a few people that have really exposed the truth, Dr. David E. Martin, um, and even people who aren't, you know, deep into exposing um, what reality actually looks like, but just have a good head on their shoulders like Rob Wolf, you know, and Rob Wolf yesterday was talking about, you know, he, he did a great podcast just debunking the theory that 5G causes, causes coronavirus. And, um, you know, he says, there's nothing inherently dangerous about believing that. But if you're focused on one thing that is not true, you're not really thinking about something that can happen. And I've heard quite a few people talking about the potential for the grid to shut down for a little while. Um, of course, you know, Rob on the podcast alludes to a much greater disaster where somebody could potentially, I think there's a book that he mentioned, but somebody sets off a nuke over North America that shuts down the grid permanently. And that causes 80 to 95% of the people to be wiped out because nobody knows how to hunt or how to get clean water. Um, obviously, this is all doomsday shit, and I'm not a doomsday guy. So I, I hate leading into a podcast like that. Most of, If you're still listening now and haven't shut it off, um, there is value in what Rob had to say and, and some of the stuff that I subscribe to. And really what it is, is it's just, it's just mildly covering the bases. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can you know, we put 20% in, we get 80% of the benefit. And I have a six month old, I have a five year old. These are things that I think about not constantly, but you know, this shit, if it's in the back of my mind, it's somewhere influencing uh, the way I behave and act and think in everyday waking consciousness. And so it's good not only to, to try to root out those weeds, but to look at them and understand like why they're there. What are the ways that I can help to make the garden a little bit more tidy, you know, when it comes to my sanity and peace of mind. And so Rob was recommending just some very easy stuff to do. You know, like you stock up a bit on water, you get some macadamia nuts. Uh, if you're into sardines, get some good sardines when they go on sale. Things like that when you go to the grocery store. It's not like you have to have a bunker or, you know, you're going to survive a nuclear holocaust. I don't 
I don't think that's the case. Even if you do have a bunker that you're going to be able to survive that. So that's not where my head's at, but my head is at, you know, like if, if we run out of water or if there's no electricity and power, things like that, like what are some ways we can stockpile a few key simple things that we know we're going to need. And if everything goes fucking great and there is some new normal we return to and the grid never goes down or we never run out of water or any of these things, I'm still going to eat macadamia nuts. I'm still going to drink water. I'm still going to go through those supplies. So it's not like I've loaded up on a shit ton of food that I don't like, or I have, you know, a thousand boxes of MREs that taste like crap. These are things that actually enjoy their shelf stable and it just doesn't hurt to have it. You know, so if my grocery bill is twice as much today as it was, you know, uh, every other time I go to the grocery store, that's something that's, that's a hit I can take just to iron out, you know, any of that, uh, lingering fear I might have about being underprepared. You know, I forget the guy's name. He was on Rogan's podcast earlier this year, but he wrote a book on like the doomsday preppers and he was really poking fun at them and ended up living with a few of them. And then COVID-19 hit and he's like, wait a minute. Uh, maybe not all the things that these guys are talking about is complete nonsense. You know, one of the things that he brought up was this idea that, you know, early on in the industrial revolution and, and for every generation prior, we always prepped for the long winter. We always prepped for spring coming late. We always prepped for um, some type of mismanaged crop where, you know, you wind up with 30% of, of the take on whatever the annual crop is that year. And these are ways people prepared. And, and it was just considered good, good housekeeping to make sure you had a little bit extra in case it's, it's no different than a savings account, right? Like, yeah, put a little bit away just in case that rainy day comes. And, you know, we may come to a point where money is valueless if shit really does hit the fan. So what do you actually need? Well, you need access to calories, you need access to clean water, and you need to be able to protect yourself. And thankfully, in Texas, we have access to all of that good stuff. So that's kind of how I've been rounding the bases and just making sure that, um, you know, and it, for, it, for the most part, I'm not thinking about this shit all the time, but we do have a six-month-old and a five-year-old. and that's one of the things I think that's important about fatherhood is really understanding that I am, I'm the protector. I'm the king of the house. And I got to make sure that I'm looking after everybody in a way where not only is their safety insured, but I can sleep at night knowing like, Hey, we've, we've, we've sorted a lot of the stuff that needs to be sorted. Now I can go about my daily business and meditate cleanly and not have any lingering thoughts in the background. Man. Well said. Um, you know, you acknowledge the point there about how we used to be a little more prepared in the past. And if you think about it, everything on demand culture is just very, very new. Like even if you go back 50 years, you know, people had some type of preparations, people had savings, people had something put away for a rainy day because rainy days were more common. And it's just now in the last, you know, couple of decades, few decades where Everything has just come to us with such abundance so easily and so cheaply that we just expect it to be available at all times. But like if anything were to happen, man, especially, you know, in many of the American cities, right? Like, what are you going to do? You can't in a lot of places you can't go out hunting. Nobody knows how to hunt, you know, unless you're a guy like yourself or a guy like one guy I really respect in this arena is Joe Rogan because he's kind of, you know, he's born in a city and he's, you know, kind of got this kind of city life, but he's also learned how to hunt. He's also learned how to 
do tactical weapons practice and uh, all that good stuff. So, you know, I think, I think there's a, a healthy dose of anxiety, healthy dose of paranoia that, that, you know, we should have in order to maximize our safety and security. And yeah, just, uh, just, uh, prepare for whatever happens to come. What I've noticed also, you're, you're living in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. Brother. And you know, we have a lot of mutual friends. I'm i I'm a Canadian. I live in Costa Rica, so I'm not actually, I haven't been in United States since February of this year. Um, but, uh, you know, i watch a lot of our mutual friends. I, I see a lot of the Instagram profiles. I watch a lot of them on, uh, on social media and I speak with a lot of them. A lot of them come through Soltara as well. And you see really two different currents of thinking around the day's current events right now. I find like in the, 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 the Texans people, or at least people who live in Texas seem to have a fairly critical eye over the, 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 the mainstream narrative that, uh, that is, is present for everybody right now coming through the mainstream channels. And that's a little bit of contrast to some of the, like the, like the West coast states. What's your, what's your take on all that? (laughs) That's, I mean, that's a, we could spend all day on the podcast talking about that, you know, um, it's it's really tough without giving you know a, a a deep a deep background and proving it you know everybody wants proof and i think that's one of the beautiful things about you know the guests that i've had on and the documentaries that have been made you know and of course people roll their eyes at documentaries or what you watch at youtube or you know my medical doctor says this or i watched it on fucking cnn and it's like yeah bud you're not helping your argument if you're uh, claiming to know better because mainstream media or social media has has given you this information. There, there are there are countless videos right now online. If you know where to look, where you will see a hundred different news stations reading the same script word for word. Amazon workers are taking everything, every precaution for COVID nineteen, and they expect to be able to deliver on time. And it goes from one news anchor to the next, word for word across every channel. You know. I've been talking about this where when we were kids, we knew Fox News was right wing. We knew CNN was down the middle loosely and we knew MSNBC was left wing. And when you get all three of them reading the same script, that's a problem. You understand like there, there's no variety here anymore. It is the narrative that's coming through. And with that, what is the narrative? Well, the narrative is we're going to take this vaccine. It's going to make everyone safe. And the world is changing. Uh, COVID-19 is a real threat. And it's killing people left and right. The hospitals are overrun. We have to shut down small businesses. And it turns out that's not actually the case. Uh, People have died from it, no doubt. I'm not going to deny that. But we have a 98.76% chance of survival. 99.76, somewhere in there. A 98.76, what Dell Bigtree said. And there's thousands of medical doctors, if you follow Dell. He's had several on his show. Dr. Rashid Batar, who's been on London Real, uh, has a list of 8,000 medical doctors that are all in agreement on this. We saw the great, what was it, the Great Barrington um, thing that came up. We talked about that with Rob Wolf. I don't know if you got that email. It was a signed petition from a number of medical doctors saying like, hey, 
what's happening right now is actually hurting people worse than the virus itself. Shutting businesses down is hurting people worse economically. Suicides are up. Domestic violence is up. Uh, alcohol consumption is up. People are losing their fucking minds, and for the right reasons. Um, it's a head scratcher when Gavin Newsom recently reshut down California, and in the same week, I flew to Miami with a perfect stranger sitting shoulder to shoulder with me. Big airlines allow full seating again, and I could take my fucking mask off sitting inches away. Literally, I'm touching the person shoulder yeah. to shoulder, and I'm not worried about this damn thing. I have a healthy immune system, not worried about it. But if somebody is worried about it, you can fly right next to somebody else, but you're going to shut down every small business simultaneous. It makes absolutely no sense. There are, um, you know, there are, th- and then of course, Gavin's out at the French laundry eating without a mask, you know, meanwhile, telling people don't have anyone over for Christmas, don't have anybody over for Thanksgiving. So uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely head scratching when you understand what they're saying versus what they're doing. And how this is all playing out. And you're never going to see that on mainstream media. You're never going to see that on Facebook. There was a funny meme of, uh, you know, a guy, a guy posting. He's running with his phone. And behind him is Zuckerberg chasing him saying, don't post that. You know, and he's, he's chasing after him. And it's like, why are we being fucking policed about what we say? Why, why now, in times like this, do we see uh, freedom of speech? coming to an end. Why all, I mean, all this shit happening at the exact same time, it makes absolutely no sense unless you start to see through it, unless you start to see that this is by design, it's not a mistake. And whatever deep state globalists exist that you heard, you know, quacks like David Icke and Alex Jones talking about in the past, um, there is more than a grain of truth to what they've said. There's a lot more than a grain of truth there. And it's, that's the hard pill to swallow. You know, that's what they talk about with the red pill. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I encourage people, just just look, just look, just just go in, dive into my podcast. If you want to know more, start with Mickey Willis, listen to Del Bigtree, listen to Dr. David E. Martin. And there's proof everywhere. 2008 was not happenstance. 2008 was not a mistake, you know, with a few greedy people trying to, you know, get rich off of these shitty loans. 2008 was planned. It was one of the greatest... Uh, sweeps of wealth from the middle and lower class into the upper hands of the 1% ever orchestrated. And what happened? Congress rewarded them with our tax dollars, our money, right? That happened across the globe. Doesn't matter which country you're in. Um, Take it back to 9-11, implementation of the Patriot Act. We see now, you know, people wonder about 5G. Well, why is the big, what's, what's going on with 5G? If it's not causing coronavirus, why is everyone bitching about it? Well, facial recognition, for one monitoring us for another. It's what's happening in China. And like David Icke said, if you want to know the future of the West, just look to the East. All of that's going down right there. They track people in real time. All you have to do is look around when you go outside, go by the street lights that you were once at. There's cameras on every street light. There's cameras in my neighborhood on street lights, not just at intersections. So this is happening, whether we like it or not, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, is up to us. You can stick your head in the ground like an ostrich, or you can actually say, shit, this is something I don't want to hear. I don't want to acknowledge. But if I look around, maybe some of these things are undeniable. And then you start to ask questions. You start to do your own research. And lo and behold, you see the world for what it is. Man, it's really hard to 
not acknowledge that there's to some extent at minimum some manipulation of the masses going on with all this right you've definitely i mean it's it's been disclosed by the people who are are committing it like um i mean even just a, a very simple example when you know like this is all on public record like anthony fauci at first says masks don't have any effect don't have any they're not helpful at all. There's absolutely no reason for everybody to be walking around with masks. He's on, you know, you've seen this on CNN or whatever it was that recorded him saying that. And then went completely 180 later on that and then admitted that he was telling the public something because he wanted the public to do something. He didn't want the public to want masks, even though it was apparently beneficial for their health, Right. But because he wanted to protect the, uh, the frontline workers, he said masks don't have any value. So the public didn't go out and buy them. And of course, if masks did have such a profound effect, then that would have spread coronavirus all over the world, right? Um, but then uh, when there's enough masks, 180, okay, yes, now everybody has to wear masks. And now it becomes like a cultural superstition that, you know, you... You must wear a mask or you're killing people. Um, not just one example of how things are being said with the intent of, uh, of um, initiating action from the public, right? And then beyond that, man, I mean, that's concerning enough. And that just, to me, just causes straight up distrust in anything that's coming out from any of the public officials or politicians, just distrust completely. I mean, but the thing that for me is a real head scratcher is that it doesn't seem to make sense uh, based on, based on data and based on the actual effect that it's having and based on the effect that it's not even preventing the lockdowns, man, the lockdowns have like, to me, they make no sense. For example, um, you know, being in Costa Rica right now, there's basically no lockdown in place. There has not been any lockdown in place since, you know, it, they started phasing out the lockdowns when the population ran out of money, basically in, uh, uh, you know, kind of July-ish along those lines. Um, they tried locking down right at the beginning before anybody really knew what was going on with the virus. and. Uh, you know, there were like 10 or 20 cases a day and the whole country was like on militant lockdown. It was, it was really, really frightening. Uh, I mean, not militant, like there were not troops in the streets, but it was like very, very intense. It was like everything was closed. And then, you know, they locked, they shut down all the small businesses until basically they got to a threshold where it's like, dude, if you keep doing this, you're going to lose all your small businesses and the population is going to go hungry. And contrary to other countries like United States, England, Canada, who have their own printing presses for, you know, valuable currencies. Um, Costa Rica can't just go and print dollars. You know, they have to like, they have to work with the dollars they've got. So they just opened everything up and man, it, it feels like, like, it feels like there's, there's not even any COVID here. You hear of people getting it. You hear of a few people dying every day. 
but it's not like it has just exploded exponentially and people are dropping like flies in the streets. Not even close to that. Um, so then you look at other countries like I know you you uh, you follow uh, Brian Rose, uh, our mutual friend from London Real, and you know he's constantly putting up videos of what's going on in London right now, right? Like in the UK with these like basically house arrest lockdowns. And even under those conditions, cases are exploding. Like why? Because you're putting everybody, you're, you're forcing people to be confined in their homes, yet they go out to the grocery store and everything like that. So the, you know, the virus is still getting around, but then they get confined in their homes. Um, and that is like a, a major source of transmission. Same thing in California, big lockdowns, yet virus is going out of control. And then like in Texas, it's a little bit lighter. Florida, it's a little bit lighter. But uh, what does it feel like to be in the, in the United States right now? What's the vibe? What's, what, what, do, what are people feeling? And, um, you know, is there some tension there that is palpable? Yeah, no doubt there is. I mean, I think all over the world, there's some form of tension. Does it matter if you're under stricter control or lesser control? Um, there's no sense of what's coming. You know, I mean, we have ideas about which way they can go, uh, what the future looks like. Certainly no, you know, the more you look at it, the more you understand what you're up against. Um, there's some great videos. There's actually a podcast that uh, I think is named Jimmy Elliott called Iconic Podcast, where he did on, uh, on the communist takeover. I mean, this is exactly what it's coming down to. And it sounds like I'm an old white man talking about that. But really, that's what globalism is. And it's what the, the control systems that are trying to go in place are attempting to do. And truthfully, when you look at that, like that's a hard future to swallow. And we're going to do everything we can to prevent that. Um, but it, it's a mixed bag. Depends who you talk to. I mean, there's plenty of people. One of my friends from New York was like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, it's amazing what people will do. We're eating outside now. And, you, you know, there's yoga in the park and those kind of things. And it's like, cool. It's kind of the, um, you know, not full blinders on, but, but, you know, just looking through the optimistic view of, of, yeah, it's amazing. We've all rallied together and it's like, "Mm, but why did you have to, why did you have to rally together to change that? And, you know, as you mentioned, we see COVID cases rising where there's lockdowns. You see it rising where there is not lockdowns. You can argue over the validity of COVID cases rising, but still the death rate is not rising. The death rate has remained the same. So again, is this something to worry about? Fuck no. If you're old and you're going to die anyways because you have comorbidities and have not taken care of yourself, yes, let's protect those people. Let's do what we can. Uh, Let's section them off. I'm not saying put them in camps or anything like that. I'm saying like, yeah, they can stay home. They can have food delivered. They can do, or if they're in, uh, you know, nursing homes, we can have- Give them extra care and security. Yeah, we can have people with stricter protocols, but for the masses, fuck no. They're going to get this cold like anyone else, and they're going to pass through it. Most people, 60 fucking percent of everybody's asymptomatic. It means they don't even realize they have it. There isn't a symptom when they have 60% of the population that gets it. Chew on that number. 20% is mild. I've had a number of people get it that I'm close with that said they felt really groggy for 24 hours. A couple days later, they're right as rain. So, you know, if that's what we're up against, we're not up against anything serious when it comes to the virus itself. Nor, you know, and I had Dr. Zach Bush on the podcast. Number one, you can't run from nature. It's, it's absurd. It's, and that's looking through the lens of separation, right? If we, if we go through all this stuff 
psychedelics have taught us that <clears throat> the amount that we are interconnected with everything with the all far exceeds what our grasp is in one ceremony. You know, it doesn't matter what medicine you use to tap into the field of the all or unity consciousness. There truly is no separation when we, when we come to understand how interconnected everything is. That's kind of the piece that I'm grappling with right now. If this is within, this is without. And so how do I solve that mystery within myself, acknowledging what's happening in the world and where that lies within me? Um, and that's a whole side discussion in and of itself. But the point is, there is nothing to fear around this virus. And we're all going to die at some point anyways. If you are closer to dying than not dying, then yes, take extra precaution. But to acquiesce to everything that this government goes back and forth on and that government goes back and forth on without actually asking questions and saying, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Why am I going to bankrupt myself and my friends uh, to hide from something that has a very low kill rate that is most likely not going to affect me in any way, shape, or form? It's absurd. It's absurd to, to look at it that way. So, Again, they're not focusing, uh, you know, we've, we've spent 26 minutes on this in the world at large, and, and there's a lot going on when it comes to that. But um, I think if you want to know, you'll find out. If you want to know, there's there's ample stuff going around right now, ample videos coming to high production videos that are being made that really do illustrate what's happening in the world, what to look out for, and what we need to pay attention to. Outside of that, if you take care of yourself, literally on a health end, does Kyle Kingsbury die from COVID-19? Fuck no. I'm not worried about my kids having it. I'm not worried about anyone in my family having it. So COVID-19 is not, it's not the thing to be worried about. The thing to be worried about is what our governments are doing with this as a way to distract us, as a way to impose, much like 9-11, whether you believe that was uh, a terrorist attack or the government might have been in on that, uh, Tower 7 going down without an airplane hitting it, whatever your take is on that, what, was, what came after 9-11? mattered more than 9-11 itself. And when you use the 3,000 plus people that died in New York City as uh, an excuse to surveil the entire world, that's, that's really what you come to understand the 9-11 was about. So what's COVID-19 really about? That's what we're finding out right now. And I think that's the important thing that we can't say, I don't want to know, hear no evil, see no evil. I'm not going to stick my head in the sand like an ostrich. I'm going to pay attention because this shit does matter. And it matters for my kids and my grandkids if there is such a thing in the world to come. Man, you nailed it there. Um, I personally believe that, that whether we see it now or not, 2020 was an inflection point. And over the next couple of years, we're going to see in which direction different things go, you know? And then a couple years down the road, when we look at what got better after 2020? What got better after COVID? Who's making more money? Who's got more power? Who's picked up more assets? Then you'll start to see the motivations behind some of these actions, I think. Yeah, we could see it right now. Bezos made $452 billion with a B, b, b billion since March, right? There's, there's nothing wrong. I've ordered from Amazon. I, I shop at Whole Foods, which is owned by Amazon. And there's a lot of ways that I can shop on Etsy and buy local and do other things that we're starting to do a bit more of. But point is, that's not an accident. None of this shit is accident. Okay, none of it's coincidence. Just like, just like you know, everyone being surveilled from the NSA or the TSA never going away, and we've never had a terrorist attack since stateside. It's like all these things get implemented; they don't go away. 
So we got to look at that. But, you know, there is the, – the point is, you know, whether you're watching CNN 24-7 or you're look, going down the rabbit hole from all these videos people send you on Signal and shit like that, either way that has to be balanced. And I think that's something I want to – we spent 30 minutes out of, out of our under-an-hour podcast we have together discussing the shit that's in the world. And there's always light to the dark. And it really just boils down to how do I sit with this? What, how do I operate with this? How do I operate in this knowing – how do, and how do I speak about this? Because we got to speak about it to people in a way that it's receivable. And I post shit online all the time. My wife does. Not always received well. Plenty of people have left. Plenty of people have come. Um, that, at the end of the day, doesn't really matter. You know, who we speak to is who's willing to listen. And, and no different than who's listening still to this podcast right now. If you're still listening, something has resonated with you. Right? And there's a way we can do that that is disarming. There's a way we can communicate with one another that's not finger pointing. All the shit is meant to divide and conquer. It's meant to separate us. It's meant us to, to, to point the finger at one another. And there's no one here that I sit across from on the podcast, family, friends, people on the West Coast. I'm born and raised in the Silicon Valley. Uh, I've gone to New York at least once a year, every year for the last five years. Like um, These are places that I know well. And there's no people that I've met there that are downright deep state doing shit just to be evil and sinister. Um, there's probably people there that I've met that might be on that side, but it's not really recognizable because there is a level of balance in how we, we act within the world. And, and really that's been one of the big focuses that I've had internally is how do I show up? Because if I just let the weight of the external crush me, that's exactly what it will do. So there's never been a more important time to learn meditation. There's never been a more important time to drop into plant medicine, you know, and there's never been a more important time to understand what self is to know thyself and to know the best ways to operate. Like, how do I increase my neurochemistry positively in the face of all this shit? So I operate at my best in a state of peace. Uh, one of the things that Mickey Willis talked about and has been talked about in the past is how when we're in a state of fear, that has the ability to literally change neurochemistry and it will change the way the left and right hemisphere of the brain communicate with one another. And if we're in a state of fear, we do what? We surrender to authority. We give our authority up and say, I wave the white flag, someone save me. Someone figure this out for me because I can't think for myself. And again, if we reverse that, what happens when we're in a state of peace? All of a sudden, that tunnel vision starts to widen. We can see with a deeper lens. We can we can see with what Native Americans talk about, you know, the, the eagle vision, the great bird medicine, the condor vision. And when we see from up high, we can see a bigger picture. And really, that's what's being asked of us all right now is to take a step back, to calm ourselves, and to think clearly, to reconnect ourselves to source from within, as above, so below, to understand there is an intuition. There is a core that connects us to our daemon, to our high self. And with that, we can find our knowing that goes beyond somebody's statistics on Fox News or MSNBC or any of these other companies that are shoveling propaganda down everyone's throats, literally word for word from the same script. If we can return to our knowing, if we can find a way to cultivate inner peace, we can think a bit more clearly. And then from there, the vision is less cloudy and we can start to see exactly what's happening in the world within as without. And with that, we can make better choices on what we want to do going forward. But it takes, literally, it's going to take a global awakening. And 
There's a lot of people talking about that. This is the Great Awakening or this is the Great Reset. And it is one or the other. We are all going to be pushed into one of these directions. The, the question is, what do we want to choose? Do we want to choose our own personal sovereignty where we no longer fear nature, where we understand that I don't give my sovereignty of health to somebody in a fucking white lab coat? I take that upon myself. And it requires I manage what goes in my mouth hole. It requires I sleep a bit better. It requires some level of stress management or else I'm not going to sleep well. It requires moving each day outside, whether that's on my patio in an apartment or you know, in my garage gym, it doesn't matter. I need to get outdoors and I need to exercise. All of these things, fundamental pieces of what it means to be human are my responsibility to have my health. And if I truly want my sovereignty, I need my health. So you connect those dots and you understand like this great power, it lies within all of us. But it doesn't come outside of us. It doesn't come from saying, oh, hey, I fucked up the last 30 years, so fix me with this pill. It doesn't work that way. And the sooner we come to that understanding, the sooner we come to the understanding that I am my own authority. And with that, I can be peaceful. With that, I can give love. With that, I can lead in a different way. Starting with self, my own inner kingdom, then with family, then with my job or wherever it is that I have influence. And those little lights that flick on across the globe, that's all that's necessary to kickstart this thing. And we already see it right now. We see it with great people, great minds coming together. Like I mentioned, Dr. Rashid Batar has been on four or five times on Love and Real. 8,000 medical doctors have joined him. Plus, there's a lot of people in every arm of what we would consider to be a problem. You know, medical mafia, big pharma, all these things. There are people that are coming out of Western medicine that are saying, this isn't right. We're going to do it differently. We know better. And we see that all over. I've got so many friends in the military that, that are into plant medicines now, and they understand the world differently. And it's not to say that you don't have boundaries and you don't protect. And you don't, you're not the, you know, the archetype of the warrior that protects those that can't protect themselves. That's very important in 3D reality. But it is to look at this stuff and to say, like, I can do this with a clear head. I can do this knowing that it's coming from a place of love, not from dominance and control. Yeah, man. Um, in the end, nature holds us all accountable, whether we like it or not, right? Nature holds us accountable. Life holds us accountable. And that's becoming more and more obvious now. Like you said, you know, you, you fuck up your health for 30 years and you just expect the system to take care of you. Then all of a sudden, a little virus comes along that's, you know, only really attacking people with weakened immune systems. You know, it's a wake up call. It's a wake up call. And you see, the weird thing is right now, you see almost right down the middle, two different responses to what's going on right now. And that's one that's responding like, like you're doing with, with a stoic, with an entrepreneurial problem solving, uh, self-reliance attitude. And then others that are kind of retreating into uh into a fear and then you're going to see these two streams go in different directions over the next couple of years so you're a health uh professional in in many ways and you you touch on a couple different things regarding immunity and uh, and keeping your your system healthy like before we maybe talk a little bit about psychedelics what what's your advice to people who 
want to make sure that they have a strong constitution, a strong immune system, and that makes them as resistant as possible to this and every other virus out there. Yeah. So first thing I want to say is, is um, it's not a disclaimer. It's just kind of a how to work with this stuff. Um, I've been an athlete since I was 10 years old. You know, it, it, it led me down the rabbit hole, really chasing different ideas and trying on different things for size from supplementation to different diets. And I've studied with the best in the world from Paul Check to Rob Wolf to many in between on what actually works. And the truth is, it doesn't matter what you learn or who you listen to. You need to, to really understand it. You got to want to learn more for yourself. That's the first thing. Scratch the itch of knowledge means actually taking the time to learn for yourself. And one of the ways I direct people to do that is to read more. So the last four doctors you'll ever need is an ebook by Paul Check, uh, C-H-E-K. It's one of the best, best books you'll ever read on a healthy body, healthy mind. And there's many things that he gets into. There's nothing on supplements in there. Uh, for the most part, it's just on these four doctors, Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, which is your sleep and meditation, Dr. Movement, and Dr. Happy. That's your dream. What are you dreaming into your reality? You know, is the dream big enough? Diet, uh, quiet, movement, and happy. Happy. Okay. Right. So you cover these bases. That's going to lead to health. You know, you could have any three of these on point. If I'm moving each day and uh, eating clean and I'm sleeping well, but I have nothing ahead of me, nothing to dream into, nothing to create in the world, that's going to be a problem, right? It's going to be a big problem because eventually, I'm going to hit a roadblock where I see that this is fucking pointless. doesn't matter how good I look, how well I sleep or what I put in my body. If there isn't a big enough dream, there's going to be something left wanting. Right. And so all of these, as he deals details, he really exposes all the different ways that we tackle these concepts, which form the holistic picture of health from body to mind to spirit. And it's very important to have that. Uh, outside of that, the basics are, you know, hydration, sleep, food intake, ditch the process stuff. It's very simple. <clears throat> if you have metabolic inflexibility, meaning if you're a little fatter than you should be, if you've been living on processed foods for a while, if you don't work out enough because you work too much and it's hard to balance these things, raise your hand. I've been there. Everybody on earth right now has some form of that. And one of the things they've found from talking to, to Dr. Paul Saladino, as well as Rob Wolf and several others, Dan and Kara from Nutrisense. They run a CGM company, which is a continuous glucose monitor. What they found is the more metabolically flexible you are, meaning the better your body is at handling insulin load and carbohydrate sensitivity and things of that nature, the better you are against viruses, the better your immune system is. And there are a ton of stats. And you can look that up on the podcast I did with Nutrisense, Dan and Kara. There's tons of info there. So really, if you're overweight, it's not so much as throwing out calories altogether, but reducing carbohydrates can really help. Um, intermittent fasting really, really helps. And what you'll find with fasting is that even though it's hard initially, you get really good at it. And all of a sudden, you have more energy and you think more clearly. You have more cognitive energy as well as physical energy. So all these systems are interconnected. And if we look at this holistically, we come to understand that. Western medicine has done a great job of singling little things out like, hey, this liver is just the liver and only works on these certain aspects. No, it's all interconnected within the body and it's all interrelated. And what we do to the system can have a pronounced effect 
on the whole system. So if we're eliminating food for a certain portion of the day, like 16 hours a day, typical for men, 12 to 12 to 14 for women, we see that freedom of space on the digestive system, which takes a ton of blood and oxygen and, and moving of metabolic waste materials. When we give it space and we eat within a smaller window, the whole system responds beneficially from immune system to sleep, to recovery from workouts and everything in between. There's a great book called The Complete Guide to Fasting by Dr. Jason Fung. And I uh, highly recommend that. He's talking about all different forms of fasting. I've done many different fasts from five-day water fasts uh, to intermittent fasting for years on end. And um, it's not something I need to do every day now. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy, but it is something that I employ from time to time. And look, there's, there's just so many different ways. We're in the information age. You can find all this stuff out you know, on DuckDuckGo, <laughs> I won't say the G word, but, uh, you know, or, or uh, SwissCows.net. You know, there's great search engines where you can find valuable information and you can dive in right now. But what it takes is actually giving a shit and not just taking somebody's word for it. Because you could take notes on everything I'm saying right now, and that's all great. But until you come to understand it for yourself through practice and through learning more about the ins and outs and understanding where is the science on this? How does it affect one person? How does it affect female versus a male? All that's just valuable to know. And when you take the deeper dive into it, then you don't forget it. It sticks. It's not something you tried for a few months and then fell off the wagon with. It's something you remember because you spent the time and you paid your due sacrificing time necessary by reading material. Then you stick with it. And consistency is king with anything, right? When I had uh, Shervine, who has one of my favorite, favorite supplement companies, uh, Symbiotica, when I had him on the podcast, Shervin talked about that. He said, the number one thing in any transformation is momentum. Are you building momentum towards the thing you're working towards, whether that's financially, Absolutely. spiritually, whether that's in fitness, it doesn't fucking matter. It all is based on momentum because that's the thing that carries you through the shitty days. That When you take two steps forward and one step back, what propels you forward is momentum. Yeah. So right now we plant those seeds. What does the new earth look like? What does yeah. my new earth look like? What am I planting seeds with that I want to call in and cultivate? And it's likely the thing that's been missing. It's not adding a whole lot more of the good stuff. It's not, ah, I need another movie night a week. It's, it's going to be something that I've left off the table, right? Like, shit, I've been lifting weights really good four days a week, but I haven't done yoga in a while. Probably should do that. Or, man, I'm a fucking great yogi, but I haven't lifted a weight in a long time. I should probably lift weights or do some type of body movement that makes me stronger. It's this balancing act. And we can take the things that we love. Like, you know, for a long time, I did powerlifting after fighting because I love it. I love picking up heavy weight, but I got to balance that. Otherwise, when I go for a 5K run, I fall flat on my face. You know, so what is the piece that's missing in my life? Let me add that. And what is it that I'm doing a little too much of that can maybe use a trim? Right. Bruce Lee talked about that. The elimination of the thing that's not helpful is just as valuable, if not more valuable than adding the thing in that's valuable. Yeah. Right. Prevention's the best medicine. Yeah. Trim the fat around the stuff that's not serving you, the stuff that's no longer serving you. You know, Tim Corcoran talked about that. Um, I don't think you got to meet him. He was a part of the, this last year in Fit for Service. He's been on my podcast. But as an intention that we have for ceremony. This could be for plant medicine ceremonies. It could be for a vision quest, no food, no water for, for four days, traditional Native American practice. Or it could be simply for the ceremony of life. You know, or fuck, it's New Year's, let's go, right? A lot of people really look at, you know, what happened last year and what's coming up this year and they start to plan around that. 
a very simple intention to have is to ask yourself the question, what is dying in me right now? And what is being born? And when we look through that lens, we see what is dying in me makes space for what is born because every yeah. death is the birth of something new. Death and birth are completely intertwined. That's what reset does, man. You know, it's uh, it's it's oftentimes a hard kind of shift. But if you look around right now, there is no shortage of opportunities. And, you know, there are a lot of ways you could look at 2020 and say it sucked. But there's also a lot of ways where it was really fruitful for a lot of people. And especially if you got creative about how you're going to get through it. Um, do we have time for you to get into any psychedelics journeys or do we save that for the next podcast? Let's do it, brother. We can, we can go another 10 minutes here and then I'll give you 50 on mine. All That'd right. Riff on your psychedelics, man. Where you want to go with that? Well, I'll tell you, I, it's, it's, we, we could go anywhere, but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with what's, what's alive in me right now. So I probably had about 15 big doses with 5-MeO, the Sonoran Desert Toad, the Bufo Alvarez, and uh, they call that God particle. It's, it's significantly stronger than NNDMT, which is found in the human body as well as uh, in ayahuasca. And I've used many tools. You know, I've had, um, I think I did my 22nd through 26 ceremonies with ayahuasca down at Sultara, which were absolutely beautiful and illuminating. Um, so absolutely love Sultar and the work that you're doing there. Um, certainly plan on coming back out. I got a bunch of my friends out there right now with Godzi and Caitlin and Aubrey and the crew coming out soon. So lots of love for that medicine. But I've been really called to work with the toad, with the Sonoran Desert Toad. And um, I went through my first initiation with it. So I also had my first my first two ceremonies with Combo, which is the uh, the poisonous frog that boosts immune system and is highly purgative and non-psychedelic. And was used um, for for hunting and a number of other practices in the Amazon. So I went back to back days with Combo to purify, to cleanse, and to to make space for uh, the Sonoran Desert Toad, the five meo DMT. I had a day off, and then I did this initiation dose, which was the highest amount that I had had, and it brought me right back to the space, uh, the hell space that I had experienced on thirty grams of penis envy mushrooms. So that was you know a podcast in and of itself that it is. Uh, quite long, where I, I basically experienced these five different dimensions of hell, and, and the way I would explain that briefly is that hell sure is highly personal. Hell, sure hell is <laughs> thirty grams is a lot. You know, yeah. there's no doubt about it. That was also, you know, not an accident, but something well planned. Um, and again, don't recommend this for anyone who hasn't done preparation and worked their way up the ladder. But um, long story short, it wasn't some guy in a red, you know, poker, you know, jamming me in the ass with fire and brimstone. It was things that were extremely personal to me in, in my fear, you know, and really unpacking that as I revisited that now with the snore desert toad, I went on a loop of everything I feared replayed over and over again and thought I was going to lose my fucking mind. Um, insanity was a big piece of this. One of the things they talked about, you know, with a dose that high is that you can have reactivations. Meaning uh, when you're about to go to sleep or if you're meditating, you can feel as if the medicine is kicking back in. And I, was, I just started laughing. All my experiences with 5-MeO have been pure unity, pure love, you know, divine light, whatever you want to call that, Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, whatever your picture is of divinity and love, those are my experiences. So when I was told about reactivations, I was like, sign me the fuck up. 
I'll experience that. And not really understanding that the potential could send me to the darkness. Um, I mean, I fought that there was no surrender. I, I, I fought that every fucking night. I experienced it for 16 nights straight. And it started to blur the lines between waking reality and the dream state. And not in a good way. I mean, I really thought I was losing my mind. I had to lean on the support of my wife quite a bit, uh, who really, you know, was my grounding cord. And then finally, you know, after a number of talks, she told me, like, you got to call Paul Check because he's 59. He's been through 400 plus ceremonies. He's a medicine man in and of his own right. And he'll understand this better than anyone. So I called him up. I explained everything that was happening. It was Christmas Eve. I thought we were going to have, you know, a 20 minute call. We went two hours. And the, uh, you know, the, I'm simply given the bullet points of each of these because we're pressed for time. But one of the things he said was, you need to close the ceremony. So have Tosh sage you. You're going to take a hot bath with 12 drops of frankincense oil. And you're going to state out loud to great spirit everything you've learned from the darkness, all the ways in which you're going to live differently because of what you've seen and felt. And you're going to humbly ask that the ceremony is closed. And that if anything else is to come through, if there's any other knowledge or wisdom that needs to be gifted to me from the darkness, to please come through the dream without fear. That way I can finally sleep. Because not sleeping for 16 days will cause you to go insane anyway. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's no, no two ways about it. Well, you so seen this Fight happened. Club. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, got off the, I got off the phone with him, uh, went through the closing ceremony. I stated out loud everything I'd learned. And what I recognized in, in saying it out loud too, Tim Corcoran talks about this, the mirroring exercise. Like, you know, Godsy's big into journaling. A lot of people are big into journaling. But saying it to another person or speaking it out loud is actually just as effective because it's a part of processing. And much like the logos, the spoken word, the vibration is the first thing that grounds it into 3D reality. So speaking these out loud really did help me to understand what it is I was working through. And all of it had to do with fear. You know, really, I mean, in, in no doubt, hand in hand with the external. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on inside. And so as I spoke these things out loud about the different places that I'd gone and the different fears that I had had about what consciousness is, um, the existence of God, all of that, I then asked, you know, if it comes through, come through the dreams. And that night was the first night that I slept. And I slept and they were psychedelic dreams, but there was no fear. So I was actually able to stay asleep rather than in previous nights, I'd snap up, you know, from, from my sleep vision and heart would be pounding, you know, breath racing, and I couldn't fall back asleep. Sometimes 1am onward, I'd be up the entire day. So, you know, get, getting by on two, three hours of sleep is not going to cut it, but this worked. And, um, and perhaps it had to do with, uh, you know, the holiday, but Christmas day came uh, we celebrated. It was beautiful. And it's obviously much better when you have kids because they're really juiced up about it. And we had a lot of fun and Christmas night came and I went right back to sleep without any crazy dreams, nothing to record, nothing to write about. And I've slept perfectly ever since. So I was able to close that ceremony. And, uh, you know, I talked with some friends about it. And, and one of my buddies told me about this book called Dispelling Wetiko, W-E-T-I-K-O. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is, is again, not to, to get on the darkness and, and the doomsday shit, but there's a lot of friends that I have that have gone through ceremony in and around solstice this year in particular, um, who have had really dark experiences, you know, and, and my understanding, you know, having learned from the greats like Dennis McKenna and, and, and uh, you know, many others is that there's no such thing as the bad trip. 
there are really hard experiences, those come to an end, but there's no such thing as a bad trip. And I really believe that. I still believe that. But to re-experience that, you know, without saying yes, without smoking the vape pen, without drinking the ayahuasca, to just have that happen and sleep is a really fucking hard experience. I mean, absolutely harder than anything I've ever done, harder than any medicine I've ever done, period. And, um, you know, even the 30 grams of penis in me, that ended. There was no continuation of that. And this just continued and continued and continued till I was able to ground it and really ask for it to shift. So I'm thankful for those tools. Hopefully those tools help out. But this book, Dispelling with Tico, it's also on Audible for people that like to listen. It really talks about this dark energy as a virus. It's something that Native Americans talked about that exists within all of us. And it's easy to see on the external how it exists. You know, we look at our, our, uh, our favorite villainous politician or anybody else who's caused harm within the world, the shitty boss, the ex-girlfriend, the ex-boyfriend, whatever the case is, and you can see it very clearly. But to look at that within ourselves changes it. And that actually allows us to really understand it differently and alchemize that darkness so that we can choose the light. Because if we ignore that this thing exists, it persists. If I'm not looking at it and I'm not acknowledging existence, it's going to find its way to work through us. And really, that's been my experience as I listen to this book. It is absolutely spot on. And one of the things that I called in in 2020 was to live without fear. So, of course, if I'm going to make that intention, I'm going to have to walk the fires of everything I'm afraid of and really face those head on. And I think that's that's in part why I had to go through that experience. But I mentioned this to everybody right now, because if you run up against the darkness, don't look away. Come to understand it. Ask it questions and then ground it. That way you come back to reality because uh, teetering there, uh, there's no doubt that if I succumbed to that, I would have, I would have wound up, uh, you know, in a padded fucking cell somewhere. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, it's all about perspective. And uh, if you're feeling a little bit of darkness at this time, check out this book, uh, Dispelling Watiko. Who is the author again? Paul Levy, L-E-V-Y. Paul Levy. All right. Well, uh, we're out of time. So Kyle, thanks for sharing that story and, uh, leaving that additional tool for, uh, for our listeners and for sharing your wisdom about health and, and your perspective about what's going on in the world today. It's a real pleasure, uh, getting that download from you. Um, so yeah, man, we'll, we'll catch up another time. Beautiful brother. Thanks for having me on Dan. All right. Adios. The Daniel Cleland podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Daniel Cleveland podcast. We truly enjoy you sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed sharing it with you, please like the episode, review the podcast, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, these likes and reviews and subscriptions are the lifeblood of our show. So free for you, super important for us. Like, subscribe, and review. Thank you so much. Of course, this podcast would not be possible without the continued amazing sponsorship of Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica. If you feel called to work with plant medicines, ayahuasca, shamanismo, curanderismo from Peru, 
from the Peruvian Amazons to Costa Rica, check out Soltara Healing Center at soltara.co or conveniently 1-800-397-1730 or look us up on social media at Soltara Healing Center. All kinds of great content, nonstop, coming out, down the pike, every day, just for you. Thanks again so much for joining. I appreciate it beyond words, and I look forward to doing many more of these episodes for you and connecting. If you want to reach out to me, there's a contact form on my website, danielcleland.com. Feel free to hit me up. I read every email and try to respond to all of them. Thanks again. Much love to you, and I hope we get to catch up soon. All the best.